Hey, Cinecasters, it's a Paul Thomas Anderson episode this week, and we finally have a little giveaway for the PTA fans out there. We're giving away a copy of Punch Drunk Love on Blu-ray, courtesy of UK Criterion and Sony Pictures at Home. The disc features a 4K digital transfer supervised by Paul Thomas Anderson with a 5.1 DTS HD Master Audio Soundtrack, an interview with composer John Bryan, the 12-minute short Blossoms in Blood, behind-the-scenes footage, an NBC interview with David Phillips, the Puddin' Guy, who inspired the film, and the deleted Mattress Man commercial, which Phil and I discuss in detail in this episode, and so much more. If you'd like to enter to win this copy, pop us an email at podcast.princecharlescinema.com and tell us your favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film. We'll also be running this competition on at the PCC Podcast on Twitter and Instagram in the coming days, so increase your chances to win by keeping an eye out for those posts when they drop there, too. This week's competition closes at 10 a.m. on Tuesday, the 20th of July, 2021. Please be sure to follow UK Criterion at UK Criterion on Twitter and Instagram to keep up with all the latest releases. Good luck. Do the unnecessary clap as we established last time. You don't need it. Well, I do need the clap. Well, I don't need you to. As long as I get that like spike, we're good. (laughs) Oh man, I had a good spike there, dude. Oh my god, it's like spiky. It's like a heartbeat. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Ooh, 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 ooh. My my heart sounds like a couple of crazy clubbing guys or a dog. Seals? A seal. I think yeah. A seal. (laughs) Mine would sound like the one in Santa Claus. Where it's just Yeah. Oh man, I wish my heart sounded like that. That'd be pretty cool. But then you'd have a murmur, it'd be a condition. Yeah. I mean, yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, he had some sort of condition. There was. Oh, definitely. There was but definitely some going on. Yeah. Uh, diabetes or something. He was a guy who was eating the pudding, you know? Talk about pudding. Talking about pudding. Eat oh, that chocolate pudding. Welcome to the Bot <laughs> Cinema. Presented by the Prince Charles Cinema and the Breadcrumbs Collective. This is your host, Jonathan Foster, and I'm here each every week. My little <laughs> harmonium boy. <laughs> Phil, Phil just introduced me to the fact that he has a little teeny piano in his house. Yeah, that we also found on the street. Yeah, that doesn't really work. Um, maybe need some tape or something. Yeah, put need, some fucking tape be, on it. Fix I it. might I need to be re-tuned. I not fucking. Can do you that. tune that little thing? <laughs> I don't like, know. I've never tried to. It opened. Oh, it opened, opened like a little mini piano, like a little grand piano. Open. Oh, okay. And you can see all the keys and shit. But you might be able to tune it. Oh, uh, maybe I will. Maybe I'll do it after this. Yeah. Do it. Do, do it. it. Come on. Hey. All right. Do it. All right. Hey, do it. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it. Do it. Yeah, we're not talking about that. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs>
Donkey and Hutch. The 2004 uh, comedy classic Donkey and Hutch. This morning I was, uh, I was looking at Twitter and I saw like someone, which I did partake into. Um, and I also kind of laughed because I was like, did I just figure out my top five? Because it was like, a, yeah, your five most seen movies. Yeah, most seen movies, and it was Hook and uh, the uh, I forgot, I forgot Jaws, Jaws Hook, Goodfellas, uh, Goodfellas, the uh, Sandlot, and that was the big one. I forget what the other one was. Step Brothers, Step Brothers, yeah. and yeah, I yeah, yeah. like I so I saw that, and I think like the original tweet that I like quote tweeted, like I can't remember what that guy's had. It was Rex Chapman from NBA player, yeah. Um, but it was other people inside the original tweet before him were just saying some shit like Starsky and Hutch. And I was like, damn, dude, I don't know. That film was kind of funny, but I can't imagine like having watched that more than twice in my life. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it held, it held up. Yeah. I remember liking it back then. Yeah. Like you could easily probably say that about Step Brothers. Like if you hadn't Step watched Step Brothers, you'd probably think that about it, but actually Step Brothers is fucking good. That, it's better than all those. Bad, Pineapple Express, I throw those up there in terms yeah. of just, it tends to be comedy. Yeah. I mean, it's not really a fair critique because it's like your top top five greatest movies ever made or your favorite movie aren't going to be the same. Yeah. Because look, I love The Godfather, right? I'm not going to stick it on all the time. It's long and Absolutely. it's like, it's a real like, you know, you have to be in the mood for it, like an ordeal to watch it. Not yeah. in a good way, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like a, you have to go through something. But you could always stick on Step Brothers. Absolutely. It's like, and you're always, that's why sometimes you just want a movie you know you like. Yeah, that's the thing. That's like your favorites aren't always like what, you, you know, because we've been going through that with this series that we're doing, like uh, when we're ranking and stuff and we're like, you know, oh, well, I know that this film is better, but this Technically one's my favorite. Better. And that's yeah, like, like, that's Butterworth, how your yeah. top five should always work. It should never be what you think is actually like a better movie. No, Sometimes then, it just happens to be one of the greatest films of all time, like Jaws or Good like Jaws or something. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it just happens to be. Yeah, because yeah. then at that point, what do you do? You're just impressing people. You're trying to impress yeah. other people for no reason. Shit, it's subjective. Absolutely. But Jaws is There great. you go. Jordan is great. All right, that was the Pot Charles Cinecast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Phil, you're doing you... all right this week. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing all right. Good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been so long. It's been so long. <laughs> Actually, I should say this because I think it's we been ended... two days. <laughs> it's been two days. And I ended last week's episode with like, oh, yeah, next week. But then you got ruined by like, actually, we were off a week. And uh, yeah. we're, we're living in the future now, Phil. Yes. Yeah. One step ahead. Phil and I are both going on holiday kind of at the same time. I'm going like a week ahead, but still like going to be off during the remain, like during the time that Phil is off as well, because I'm taking a couple of weeks off. So we, instead of the episode that's on now that you're listening to now, uh, which you thought would have been last week, we actually had just like a franchised episode put in. And I really hope you guys are listening to franchise and you support in franchise because it's basically the Pod Charles Cinecast 2.0. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's still the same thing, but it is on another feed, and I hope you guys go subscribe. I will put that in the description of this episode so you can listen to it um, and find it pretty easily and subscribe there. But it's myself and Ariane. We're going through all the Fast and Furious films. It's what we were talking about in the last year on patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast, where all those episodes exist for $5 and up backers. 
Um, so you can support us. You can hear all those episodes early or you can wait weekly as they come out on franchise. Uh, but also Phil's going to be there soon. Um, we'll be doing season two, you know, by the towards the end of the year, like in, in autumn. I'm like Danny DeVito. I show up in the second season. Yeah, and it gets better, right? It gets better. <laughs> <laughs> but it's already, I mean, it's already really good. It's already pretty it's already damn good. good. Yeah. So, and I'm happy that Harry's back like on a weekly basis in your ears, even though she uh, recorded those episodes with me a long time ago. But we did record new tops and bottoms to them, so technically she's there every week. Uh, <laughs> and like, you know, yeah, and it's brand new, new brand new yeah. stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's cool, man. I'm happy to be doing it. I hope you guys enjoyed that last week. I'm sorry for the interruption into our weekly uh, Anderson versus Anderson thing, but Phil and I, you know, got to go on holiday sometimes. You know? And Disney boys. Yeah, we didn't want to leave you hanging, and we are living in the future, so we're recording this ahead of time. So I hope it's nice in the future. Yeah, hope the world hasn't blown up. Yeah, hopefully my plane hasn't crashed or something. I don't know. But if it did, Godspeed. <laughs> Godspeed. <laughs> over here in our sixth week of our arc pitting the films of wes anderson and paul thomas anderson against each other and we're really starting to get into the prime of each director's careers oh my god (laughs) it's really getting interesting we thought the last set was going to be like really really hard and it was to judge the two the third films I don't think this next one's going to be hard for me. I think it could be hard for you. <laughs> this is going to be way harder for me. Yeah. Yeah, but you haven't rewatched I haven't. Mr. Anderson's, but, you know, but unless I come, <laughs> Mr. Unless Anderson's I come, film. Um, yeah, Wes Anderson. Anderson. I'm an Anderson guy. I'm yeah. an Anderson guy. Um, but <laughs> you need I don't to know, rewatch unless it. I com- unless I completely change my mind on it, though. You need to rewatch it. I'm going to rewatch you it. You can't go in with your like current thoughts. No, no. I'm not. I want it to be good. Yeah. It will be. I think we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, ladies God and gentlemen, it. it's Anderson versus Anderson. As you can see, we've had our eye on you for some time now, Mr. Anderson. 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 Wait for it. Ding, ding. Got mine. You need to throw that in, like Apollo Creed doing that in Rocky Three. Ding, ding. You want to ring the bell? <laughs> That's my Stallone. That's pretty good. So maybe, maybe I'll fight Apollo. Maybe I won't. <laughs> Adrian. Well, last week, little Rocky and I were exploring the family dramas in Wes Anderson's third feature, The Royal Tenenbaums. So now we are turning our attention to the growing auteur, Mr. Paul Thomas Anderson, who, who just had a birthday the other day at the time of recording this episode, even though now it's three weeks ahead from that. So happy birthday, Paul. Um, HBD, Polly. <laughs> and our pal PTA is throwing away the heavy three plus hour ensemble led drama in exchange for a short and sweet 97 minute single actor driven rom-com vehicle oh boy starring at the time what was a very controversial lead actor in what film oh say the film yes (laughs) I thought you were building up to to every week (laughs) 
Well, I have to like think of like a like a song or something to go with it. Oh I yeah, you think, haven't got one this I week. I can't just say punch drunk love. That's not fun. I'm sorry about that. I wanted to ask you something because you're a doctor, right? I don't like myself sometimes. Can you help me? Mary, I'm a dentist. What kind of help do you think I can give you? I'm gonna go and eat tomorrow night. Do you want to go with me? I didn't ask for a shrink. That must have been somebody else. Also, that pudding isn't mine. Also, I'm wearing a suit today because I had a very important meeting this morning and I don't have a crying problem. Okay. This is Barry. Hey, baby, I guess we got disconnected before. How did you get this number? You canceled your credit card. I need you not to cancel your credit card and I need you to up your limit. Four blonde brothers came after me. Where the fuck are you going? We know where you live. What's the problem? One of your employees has been threatening me. Shut up! Will shut up? Shut up! Shut! 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 Shut up! Shut up! I have a love in my life. It makes me stronger than anything you can imagine. Right. That's that. You can go places in the world with pudding. That's the tagline <laughs> for this. <laughs> Frustrated by the constant belittlement of his seven overbearing sisters, socially awkward and volatile novelty plunger salesman. I, mean, <laughs> I, I think that's what he does. I'm not really sure. I, I don't really I mean, know what he does. Yeah, yeah. It's very confusing. Uh, Barry Egan, played by Adam Sandler. What? <laughs> calls a phone sex line to curb his loneliness. Little does he know that this act will lead to the phone sex operator trying to extort money from him and land him in trouble with a gang of scammers led by mattress man Dean Trumbull, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman. To make matters worse, all this chaos will potentially jeopardize his relationship with the new love of his life, Lena. Emily Watson. It's the 2002 romantic comedy drama written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, hot takes out the gate, Phil punch drunk love. I mean, this isn't going to be a surprise, but this movie is just, it's just <laughs> fucking chef kit. I love punch drunk love. I think it's a beautiful movie. I think it's, yeah, you know, it's impressive going from Magnolia to this to be like, oh, he can tell a story in an hour and a half. It's like, wow, yeah, he it did it. And he d- and he, yeah, do it every time. <laughs> Don't make me waste my time. I mean, PTA is attacking the rom-com genre, and he does make probably one of the best rom-com ever. It's yeah. sweet. It's funny. It's unbearably relatable. It's weird and dark. And it's it was, very weird. <laughs> it's very weird, but, like, thank God it's weird. I love it. I I. It's one of my favorites for reasons I won't I won't go into yet, but it's just a really nice movie. I can like always throw it on and it makes me feel good. And that's weird for a movie that is sort of, I mean, the first of many uncut jump references. 
Yeah, it's like yeah, a yeah. you know, it's a prototype for uncut gems Absolutely. because it, it, it's Sandman in his in a dramatic role, and it's that fucking nonstop sort of anxiety-inducing music yeah. and really like yeah, yeah, uh, overbearing like themes. Um, we ten, were talking like tenuous themes. Yeah, well, we were talking about this the other day because when we recorded the Royal Tenenbaums episode, I had just watched punch drunk to get ahead <laughs> yeah, in the morning coming down off it and i was coming down off it i had the fucking music stuck in my head and i was just talking we were talking about he it needs we were just me, like, he needs me. Yeah, it's still stuck um but yeah it was it was really funny like you know in my head i and i was thinking about that and you were talking about the uncut gym singer and we start chatting about like how i was like yeah man it's like that one fucking scene when he's like in his office and his sister's there and she's brought in lena there and the chaos is going on inside the fucking warehouse. Like the forklift just drives and crashes <laughs> into the wall and all the shit's everywhere. And the harmonium. Yeah, yeah. And his sister's like, what's up with all the pudding? Why all the pudding? <laughs> and it's just like all these questions. And then the music is fucking weird in that scene. And it's very jarring. And the whole thing is just like, oh, oh. And it, like my, my, um, for some reason, like my, uh, Amazon player or whatever. Cause that was what I was, I rented it off of Amazon prime mm. and like it kept like, stalling I throughout watching like oh. it was stalling throughout the film uh like every so often it would just like do a weird buffer and it did it during that scene and me and julia we were like oh thank god <laughs> <laughs> like, like i actually kind of like that buffer there because the rest yeah. of the film was just like fucking stop but this was just like i needed a little breather it was too tense it was just like, yeah crap. and then it's we were tough. laughing that it was just like yeah it's like the Softy Brothers just took Adam Sandler, put him in that their bit. film, and then just basically riffed on that whole scene for an entire two <laughs> hours and 30 minutes or however long Uncut Gems is. And, and it's it just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and it's all, another great movie. Yeah, we talked yeah. about the, the reference to the blue shoe, and I think yeah. one doesn't happen without the other. But no, I, lo- I love Punch. It's one of those, there's a great, I mean, shout out Criterion. Um, but then in I could I have the Criterion version, the blue. Which we are giving away. Punch truck. It's excellent. Well. It's got some great special features, but it's got uh, in the booklet it's got an essay. I forget mm-hmm. who it's written by, but it's a really lovely essay about yep. the movie and how the movie sort of makes wonderful the mundane, ordinary aspect of people and human life. Yeah. And it's like it's a movie you can fall in love with. And I do every time I watch it, I like it makes me like I'm not really a romantic I don't think but I am with movies I guess and this one is one it's an easy one for me to get romantic about I think yeah. it's yeah, yeah. wonderfully weird and but so deep <laughs> like, <laughs> like mental illness it's great Absolutely. I love it yeah. that's what I love it. like ultimately it's what I love about it I've never seen uh, a better portrayal of anxiety as someone who's like gone through like panic attacks and like oh sure just lots of anxiety this movie and I get and I guess a little bit of Royal Tenenbaums as well with mm. you know they we but we have the same glass break scene yeah yeah we mentioned that last week so we have a just good glass Adam, break scene this week Adam Sandler I don't maybe it's just Sandler because he doesn't again in Uncut Gems nobody plays like for someone who seems really laid back nobody plays anxiety yeah and sadness quite like Adam Sandler and he yeah. makes I think he makes Punch Drunk. It's, a, it's controversial, but it's a perfect casting choice. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, when the film came out, I remember it was, like, very crazy. Like, you know, like, he had just done Little Nicky, 
which which is great. Was, like a weird sort of it was a but it was a weird one for him because it like I think it did really it well. Took the edge. But yeah. it was like that where you could see he was starting to like, you know, he's Fall. kind of fallen off of his comedy game and he needed yeah. something like this really cuz like little Nikki I think it did get kind of railed like by critics. About the beginning. Where yeah. it didn't really have like the previous films at least had some critical like love even though Yeah, yeah. You know, they're fucking stupid movies, but there's still- some good ones in there. You got yeah. the wedding singer, which is genuinely yeah. good. They like to Big Daddy. Big yeah. Daddy, great, one of the yeah. better ones. And he had a couple after. Like I think Mr. Deeds is pretty fun at times. Me too. Like, I you like know, there's Mr. elements Deeds. to it that are fucking horrible, but like, you know, it, it's like every Adam Sandler film has those same beats and stuff. And even this it. one kinda had it. It was kind of funny. Like Adam Sandler, I laughed my ass off, like, cause I forgot. I like I forgot about certain elements. I it hadn't been that long since I'd seen it, maybe a few years, but like I forget about like films sometimes. Like if um I've only seen them a couple of times, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And I just forget certain elements to it. And I forgot about like him getting to like beat the shit out of those brothers. And I was just oh, like, Adam yeah, Sandler, fucking- even in a weird fucking like, you know, PTA like art house film gets to fucking beat people up in a film. <laughs> it's Happy shit. Gilmore. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Elisa Softies took the Happy Gilmore route and he got his ass kicked a lot. You know? Yeah. Because yeah, like yeah. in most... But in, I love like, a good Adam Sandler fight scene. But yeah, yeah most Adam Sandler films, rage, he's, he you know? always gets to beat someone's ass and it's just like, fuck off Adam Sandler. <laughs> I love it. He's so sweet, but he has this like yeah. inner rage that he has to let out. Yeah. Every movie. We should do, I think, at the bottom end, we should rank like... Uh, Sandler's movie, or at least like his dramatic performance, because there's yeah. only a few. There's only a few, yeah. There's yeah. only, I think, five. So yeah, I think we could, could do, do that top at the five. End. Seeing yeah. that this isn't a rank week, we can do a, a ranking of Adam Sandler's stuff. And also, this is hopefully going to be a bit of a shorter one because it's a shorter film, less to talk yeah. about. But yeah, I, I really like this film. Like, I've always kind of liked it. I remember seeing it back in the day, and like, I remember it was. Like, cause I was young, I guess, like, you know, 14 when this came out and, or, tw- mm. or 13. And I remember it was like weird because it was like Adam Sandler is like, uh, you know, it was, I, I loved all of his films and he was a huge comedy star. And I mm. remember it was like a big rift between audiences. Like, you know, there were people that <laughs> Definitely. Like, thought they were going to go see this Adam Sandler film and hated it because it was like this isn't adam sandler yeah. this is, what the fuck is this you know and they, yeah and they thought they were gonna see a pta film yeah <laughs> and, yeah. and they're like wait what the fuck is this it's a yeah. huge departure yeah it's a really really weird thing going on uh, tell of two audiences really yeah but i i did like it and i've watched it a couple times over the years and i've I, i've always enjoyed it and it's a good one so i wasn't worried about this one going into it because i knew what i was getting into but before I started to look into the actual info about this film, when I was watching this, I basically assumed that PTA, you know, fresh off of breaking up with Fiona Apple, I think he had just kind of started, you know, uh, dating Maya Rudolph, which mm. that might have overlapped as well with Fiona Apple, which is kind of oh, at least. Yike. Big but yike. Um, <laughs> I, I, what I'm assuming is that, all right, well, no, actually, this is my own headcanon. This was before I did the research, all right? I just want you guys to live on this. And I think this is actually, this is what really happened. Fuck yeah. the rest of what I say. That's <laughs> like apparently how he came up with this story. All right. So what I think happened was he's fresh off of breaking up with Fiona Apple. He called a phone sex line while he was high on Coke. And after he made his deposit, yes, I'm talking about a load. 
He got paranoid <laughs> and he thought that someone was going to come and kick his ass and shame him for calling a phone sex line. So while eating a TV, I believe you. TV yeah. dinner, because, you know, he's a cokehead and yeah. TV dinner, <laughs> he can't eat. He, uh, he saw this airline miles promotion. And he thought that's his ticket to get out of the danger. And he's like, I'll fly to Hawaii, the place, you know, where I once followed Fiona Apple to in the early days of our relationship. And maybe she'll be there, too. And maybe we can reconcile this this relationship um, because he actually did do that. And it's kind of weird. Really? Yeah. Oh, I saw, uh, he's putting his shit in this movie, man. Yeah. I said this thing... is his breakup film. Yeah. I mean, it, I, th- I think all his movies are personal. Mm. Um, in one way, I think it's like each, I think you could take Joaquin Phoenix and the Master or, you know, Daniel Plainview. And, there be, and it's one aspect of his character turned up. Yeah. I think Adam Sandler is just playing PTA in this movie or Absolutely, trying to. Yeah. You could kind of see that they're like, they seem really nice together, like genuinely good friends. I only started calling PTA PTA because of Adam Sandler. Because <laughs> I heard him <laughs> call him that in interviews and I'd never heard that. And I was like, that's fucking cool. There's great videos of them like high eating like candy in a car. You can find it all online. It's so good. <laughs> I'm with you with that story, but the only hole I'd pick in it is the airline thing is. Yeah, I know story. it's a real story, <laughs> Phil. I said this was before I did the research. Okay, all so right. So disregard all the bullshit that yeah. we're about to say. Yeah, did an right? interview with him on the Criterion. I mean, dude, seriously, really weird. just look at the fucking like you know scene where they they're first about to like make love. I don't even know like if this shit's real or not because I feel like this is all in Sandman's head. Like, there's no way a woman would actually like. You know, stick through this shit. It's fucking. What do you mean? He's so sweet. (laughs) He's horrible. (laughs) He's amazing. Don't don't fucking fight me. (laughs) (laughs) The moment he punches like the shit out of the uh, the the toilet inside the restaurant, and he just like walks out and just goes like, "We gotta go. We gotta go." And she just doesn't even question anything. You know, like (laughs) he has problems. Okay, and he needs help. Why does she need to save him? I got there's theories on that because he has seven sisters yeah. <laughs> that bully the shit out of him. Yeah, actually, you know, he's on the fucking spectrum here, and we need to talk about that because this yeah. is what's really going on. And it's not like um, maybe PTA's on the spectrum. I don't know, but like he's, maybe we're all on the spectrum. We all are, but like he needs help more than just like his sisters being overbearing, and they are by God horrible. They are horrible, yeah. but. He's there's obviously a lot more going on here with his social issues and uh, his anxieties and his anger and all that sort of stuff. And he's, I think he's got a lot, a lot of love to give. Yeah, I think that's the problem. He had nowhere to put it. But I, I'm, uh, I'm just, I'm just fucking. To, to put every, his like, yeah, <laughs> you can't, you couldn't do it over the phone. But there's just that, like, that scene though, where she's, I mean, like, she's like, oh, I want to, I just love your cheeks. I just want to. Light him, yeah. light him up. And he's like, I'm I want to skip your, your eyes out. I just want to smash it. I want to fucking smash it with a <laughs> sledgehammer and squeeze it. You're so pretty. Yeah. What the fuck, PTA? That's a great sneeze. <laughs> That's the kind of shit couples would fucking say to each other. And they're right there with him, like channeling all that rage in a positive way. And that's oh. what she can do for him. Do I need to? Do we need to uh, talk to Dusty? Is she okay? She's fine. She's fine. That she, kind of shit. Costs, she's not costs here down. right now, which doesn't help my point. <laughs> <laughs> like pop her a message on WhatsApp. Yeah, are, are you okay, yeah. Dusty? Is everything cool? Like you know. she would agree with me. 
You're yeah, I know. I'm just joking. I'm not smashing. I'm just joking. I think it's just because the last couple of weeks we've uh, established that PTA had some issues. <laughs> um, and, and it's just like I just want to keep fucking with them. But you know, I'm just joking. Couples <laughs> do talk like that sometimes. Um, but if it's serious, you need to like the Barry Egan need some like med or some shit therapy but he tries and then the whole family finds out and just this dude can't catch a fucking break he asked his fucking dentist brother-in-law for like a therapist card and he starts crying and then everybody everybody he gets like seven separate phone calls about it and it's like oh my god it's like I don't know about you but my family's like that that's what like I don't talk to him about anything because if you did you'd never hear the end of it that's why I don't talk to anyone about anything (laughs) Apart I don't want to know, and and even on this kind of, like on the podcast, but even that, you know, yeah, it's, it's a jokey sort of thing. So nobody yeah. will take it seriously. Nobody will ask about our deep seated depression. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone thinks we're joking. We're not. Yeah, it's not. It's not a bit. I won't cut my hair because I've kind of like thought about like, oh man, just fucking go back short again. Cut it. Cut it. And I I've won't do it because I don't want to have the fucking conversations. With uh, people about why <laughs> I, I did even... it, or that it looked better, or it looks better now, or it looked better before, and blah blah. I don't, don't want to. That's my anxieties. I know what I know what you mean. I trimmed my beard yesterday, and uh, Dusty was helping me, and she's like, "Oh, you know, like if I were you, I'd just go to a barber. You know, so much effort." And I'm like, "But I don't want to have the conversation." <laughs> I don't, you know what I mean? Like I don't like like going to the barber for me or the hairdresser. It's like going to the doctor. It's yeah, just an anxiety inducing. Absolutely, I get like my heart rate gets really fast. I don't like talking to people. I don't like them touching me and like doing my hair. And I never like it. And I like my beard a certain way. I don't like to, you know, people like to trim the cheeks and do the neck, and I like it to be messy and like wolf many. Yeah, and so even. She's like, well, you can ask them to not do that. But it's like, but then I have to ask them and then they have to be like, are you sure? Why do you want to do it like that? And you know what? Not worth it. Yeah. I don't want them to chalk up my goddamn beard. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they chalk in your face up. Yeah. Yeah, God, that's just uh, the saddest soundbite you could fucking take out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thank you, Paul Thomas Anderson, for creating more anxiety than we needed. This is what I mean about PTA awakening, you know, sparking shit in me. This is why he's my fave. For better or worse. You need to check your, you know, check out your, like, you know, check your my heroes. Head. Check your heroes, Phil. Yeah, kill um, your heroes. Kill your darling. At least he's calming down. I think, especially after this film, because like you could, it's like you could see this is the mark, like this is the shift. yeah, this is like the l- very last one of like, because from here on out, it's like he's more of a grown up. And, I am a filmmaker after this. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think he stopped the drug after this one. This is yeah. the last stand for the cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> well, after the success of Magnolia, Paul Thomas Anderson stated that he was determined to make his next film ninety minutes long. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> he just puts another line out and he's like whoa that's really long I wonder if I can make that line 90 minutes long it's like dude what are you talking about you can't measure cocaine lines in minutes what are you it's like dude I can measure cocaine in anything (laughs) oh shit that dude's funny I should put him in a movie look at him pissing on a wall with a kid 
As we mentioned last week, even PTA thought Magnolia was too long. He told Mark Maron in 2015 that if he made the movie today, he'd slice it down. So in 2000, PTA announced that his follow-up to Magnolia would be titled Punch Drunk Knuckle Love. <laughs> You're so close. <laughs> Back then, the only information was that his fourth feature would star Adam Sandler, Emily Watson, and Adam Sean Penn. Penn. Who would later be replaced, (laughs) thankfully, by Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's better. The plot was unknown, and the overriding question was, wait, the guy from Happy Gilmore? (laughs) Hold on a minute. (laughs) However, internet sleuths assumed that PTA was resurrecting an unproduced screenplay, which he wrote back in 1993 at the age of 23, three years before his first film, Heart 8. It had the title of Knuckles Sandwich, and it was more of a gangster comedy with Tarantino-style dialogue, ultra-violent set pieces, and a car chase to boot. The screenplay was 140 pages long, and in it, Barry was a thief, and Lena was actually his ex-wife. Elements that remain from Knuckles Sandwich, though, after Barry punches the wall in one of his fits of rage... Uh, his knuckles are all bloody and the blood is stained on his knuckles and it spells the word love, which is an homage to obviously Robert Mitchum's Reverend Harry Powell's tattooed knuckles from the Night of the Hunter and love. also to Hot. the gold knuckle <laughs> ring that Radio Raheem sports in Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Yeah. Another working title for the film was Just Desserts as the subplot of the film about the pudding. Was, as Phil said uh, in trying to kill my buzz of my headcanon, um, <laughs> was inspired by an article that PTA read in Time Magazine about David Phillips, a University of California civil engineer who stumbled upon a lucrative frequent flyer promotion by purchasing 12,150 cups of healthy choice pudding for just $3,000. He accumulated $1.25 million air miles. Oh, my God. The biggest, flying. like, loophole. Free for life. Free for life. But you know what? God damn it, Phil. There's a lot I of I live pudding. in this guy. A lot of pudding in this film. It's very funny. People kept asking about it. There was a whole scene of him going with Luis Guzman to the, the grocery yeah. store. It's really funny. The he's dancing dance. around. Yeah. He's like, hell yeah, I'm going to fucking fly. He doesn't yeah. even know where he's going. Motherfuckers never eat the pudding. So you know what I'm doing? Calling a goddamn snack, snack time. time! You know what time okay, it is. You know what it is. It's pudding time. It's pudding time. Pudding time. We both got the pudding. I kind of hate the UK what for the fact that, that they don't have like, like you know, pudding. proper pudding like they do in America. Because, you know, yeah. like, it's interesting that Adam Sandler would go from playing Billy Madison, where he's obsessed with snack packs, to a man who buys snack, just packs, my snack packs just to fucking go on a flight. Um, but, yeah, what kind of pudding do you have, Phil? I have a... 
Again, shout out Dusty for getting me that. Hey, Dusty. <laughs> Don't say anything. <laughs> Dusty. It's a Cadbury Layers of Joy pudding. Ooh. I've never had it. It looked like chocolate. Got some cream on top. It looked yeah. good. Um, Everything's what moose, you, what moosey you here. I got a... It looks like uh jam, but it's because uh, it still has the... Uh, what, what is this? The... the Tartan, whatever this shit is. Yeah, uh, yeah. like the jam. That's the fancy shit. That's the yeah. jam brand I get. Yeah, it's a good, good jam, and uh, <laughs> it's just the chocolate mousse. This was the, the one that, mousse. like, they had like they had like Rolo shit. Everything looked gross, and I was just like, all right, well, if I'm gonna buy something for snack time, I'm gonna treat myself. You know, so I'm I gonna fucking a do it. Few pence more for bun mamun. However you say that mm-hmm. shit, chocolate pudding. Same time. Mmm, boy. Oh, shit. Dude, this is really good. Definitely. This is uh, <laughs> rich. Oh, man. Wow. Mmm. Yeah, I couldn't eat 3,000 pounds worth of this, though. <laughs> yeah. You get super fat. This is getting five out of five airline miles. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> Wooden break. You know, fuck it. This is hitting the spot right now. Yeah. This is exactly what I wanted. I'm getting a five. Oh, getting man. a five. I hope people listening get two cups of pudding and enjoy it with us. Yeah, man. Do it. Because you, you know, if you just dropped in your feed, you know what we were having for snack time. Come on. Yeah. If either one of us didn't do this. I'd be really like upset with us. And we didn't discuss it beforehand. It's just because we know the drill. We know we know the drill. Although I almost went the other way because I'm like, ah, oh, pudding's obvious. Is there anything else <laughs> in that movie? But what but else? Sometimes obvious is good. <laughs> like a can of soup or something? Soup, yeah. yeah. He does have the, the soup, right? It's like, ah, but the, but the soup, it's a little bit more expensive. And <laughs> I get the, you know, cup of pudding instead of four in there. And it's a, it's a scheme. They just they didn't realize it was like four, four. And there's four in, four in the healthy port. I, I just wanted Adam Sandler yeah, Adam to really just, Robert De Niro. I wanted him to go really crazy. Uh, just imagine him going really, really uh, Sandman on us. Like, just mm. insane. Like, <laughs> 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 I will like some pudding. You put it in my ear. So we can go through Hawaii to follow a woman. No, I will not eat your pudding. <laughs> no condition, I bet. <laughs> All right, oh let's get God. into the cast. Adam okay, Sandler is. I'm done. As uh, very easy. I should have called a snack. I should have called a sex line for snack time. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that have been funny? I would have put it on a speaker. <laughs> how would you would have just been like, how would this a snack? <laughs> yeah. Things you could be doing instead of listening to this podcast: calling a sex Jerking line, jerking off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, PTA. Hopefully, you're not doing both. ETA calls this his art house Adam Sandler film. And he first announced that he'd work with Adam Sandler at apparently at a press conference at Cannes Film Festival shortly after Magnolia's release. And the news was initially greeted with laughter. 
<laughs> Haha, good one. <laughs> then PTA would premiere his film at Cannes the following year or whatever. And uh, they were like, oh, he was serious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. I'm surprised that ever happens anymore. I mean, it still happens, but it's like, when will, you know, like, press ever get tired of being wrong? Yeah. They like they always jump on like a purposeful, like interesting choice for casting, right? Yeah. Like Adam Sandler for Punchuck. You're crazy. It'll never work. Obviously it's gonna work. Mm-hmm. You know, like comedians have a good like hit rate of doing being able to do dramatic work. You know, it's sort of in them to do it. Yeah. And then like what Heath Ledger is the biggest, you know, most obvious one for Dark Knight. And it just keeps happening. It keeps yeah. happening and happening and never, like, we were right. It was miscast. It was just like this, Paul Thomas Anderson knows what the fuck he's doing. Adam Sandler knows what he's doing. Yeah. And it's no surprise that they would make a very interesting, good movie together. Yeah, I Sorry, wish, I w- no, I mean, it's fine. Like, I wish, uh, like, this is the kind of conversation I want to have because I wish Adam Sandler would do this stuff more. Like, yeah, me too. But it makes it special when he does. Yeah, because it's like it's like every five years we get one. Yeah, and it, he's done a little bit more of it lately. I would say, I guess. Well, you had yeah. two closer together, like uh, you know, Meyerowitz. the, the Meyerowitz stories with Noah Baumbach, and yeah. then and then obviously Uncut Gems. But we had the same conversation on Uncut Gems episode, myself and Ari, and we were just talking about like, man, I wish he would do more because it's like they're so good when he does it, and there's other uh, comedians that are like that. Obviously, John C. Riley is really good at doing both at the same yeah. time. Um, you know, one one you know one one year he'll do a comedy, the next year he'll do a serious film, and it's like you know he's really good at it. Yeah, uh, underrated if I you know if anything, but definitely I I think people like uh, like Will Ferrell, like oh my god, when he does a a serious yeah, role, and he's like only Stranger done a than couple. Fiction? Yeah, Stranger in Fiction. There was that other yeah, one where he was like an alcoholic who like. Oh, everything must go. Yeah, everything must go. Like I was going to say, he was, had to sell everything. Yeah, yeah that yeah. one's really good as well. He's and, a great actor. Like yeah. it's like, damn, I want to see more. Like just keep doing it. Uh, but you know, it is what it is, and we take what we can take. Mm. Uh, PTA said that he had been wanting to work with Adam Sandler for a while, and he, it was while he was working with Tom Cruise on Magnolia that he expressed this desire. And as Tom Cruise was good friends with Adam Sandler, Cruise called. Adam Sandler up on the phone and he just hey, passed <laughs> it over to PTA. And basically that's how history was made where Adam Sandler would do his very first serious role. But PTA's longtime producing partner, Joanne Seller was just like, what, what, <laughs> why do you, why do you want to work with Adam Sandler? Eventually PTA convinced her and yeah, Sandler ended up putting in one of his best performances of all time. Yeah, uh, I think crazy. they give. They both gave each other, like Sandler gives one of his best performances, PCA gives one of his best films. Um, he's great. I, lo- I love Adam Sandler. Since I was a kid and I've gone through, I've gone through the, like similar to Batman and Robin. I never hated Adam Sandler, but yeah. like obviously loved his shit as a kid and then you sort of grow out of it and then you come back to it and you real you find the appeal again in that, in his brand of sense of humor and you just like him as a person. And then as you're older, you can just sort of focus on the more dramatic role that he's done, which yeah. I like to do. But I also, I have, I mean, not so much the comedies he does now. They tend to be very, you know, more missed than they are hit. But yeah. there's a period there 
in the late 90s to like early 2000s where it's mostly good for me. It's mostly good up until, I don't know, No Hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was like the last decent one. And then it's just like, fuck, Jack and Jill and I don't, shit. And I wouldn't just, even go that far with Sohan. <laughs> but, but, but yeah. you know, Mr. Deeds, definitely. I like yeah. that one. It's an underrated one. And I like Little Nicky and Big Daddy yeah. at the at the at the big one for me. And Like, I, Julie and I have a bit of a game of like, watching Adam Sandler films and writing down what we think is going to happen. If it's like a neural <laughs> and just like uh drink, you know, it's like a drinking game basically. Yeah. But like, what a boy. Sorry. Yeah. What a boy. Dumb one. Yeah. But like, yeah, I, I feel like one of the last, like of those comedy films that I thought was pretty good was, uh, shit. Drew Barrymore, uh, 51st date? 51st dates. I like the yeah. 51st dates. I feel like that was kind of like one of his last like good ones before. I mean, yeah. and there's and, a lot of stupid click. shit in it. Yeah. Yeah, click, click. was all right. Click, click had clickbaity click the- fucking. It's funny it's called click because it felt clickbaity. Like, you know, it's just like uh, Adam Sandler. Because Adam Sandler has that stupid shit where he pulls on your fucking heartstrings and it's just really but- empty feeling. It's just like, come on. Ah oh, no, man! He does it every. It's like it. No, but that one in particular, like it's like it's a wonderful life, but with poop jokes. You know, like yeah. it's excellent. Um, but yeah, that's one of the last ones. Um, and there's more. There's more. And there's yeah, there's more. a few here and there, but it's yeah, it's it's kind of a shame. But thank God for stuff like uncut gem because you're like, oh, he's still there. Because then you watch Grown Ups and you're like, what the fuck is this? Is it for him and his friends on vacation? What the fuck? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's what it is, just for them to go on vacation. And it's funny. He goes to fucking Hawaii in this goddamn movie. He How loves many Hawaii. times does he go? It's like PTA was like, oh, there's a Hawaii shaka scene. Bra. He's like, yeah, fucking. Yeah, shaka. I'm fucking shaka there. Shaka bra. bra shaka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, go to oh, the island. Go to Hawaii. Why didn't you say so? You know? Yeah, because basically Adam Sandler nearly turned down the role because. Not because of scheduling conflicts, but because he was scared by the scope of Magnolia. Uh, Sandler allowed like, oh, man. you know, Paul Thomas Anderson to write this movie for him before he actually saw any of Paul Thomas Anderson's work. And then he went to go see Magnolia, I think at a sold out screening, and he was just sitting there, you know, kind of building up this inf- inferiority complex for like, sure. while watching. And he was just like, he even said, like, while watching, this guy's fucking better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it was just like, I'm a fucking Hawaii, bro. Fucking Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> called him up and he's like, I can't do this. And PTA like, I got two words for you. Shaka bra. <laughs> <laughs> Is that one word? I don't know. He's like, I got three syllables for you. Huh? Why E? <laughs> oh, at the local say Hawaii. <laughs> God damn! You know, it's a match made in heaven. Hello and goodbye. Yeah. Aloha, bro. aloha, aloha, <laughs> You gotta give your life over to Christ, bro. <laughs> Just doing a dog the bounty hunter movie. <laughs> it sounds like we're writing a future Adam Sandler film. <laughs> I would. Lo- oh my God! I yeah. would love not a sequel, obviously, but PTA should. <laughs> <laughs> should definitely reconnect with Adam Sandler and they should do something there in Hawaii. <laughs> I would love it. I'd be first in line. Hey, Paul, we're going we're gonna to go to Hawaii? All right. Yeah. You know where I haven't been in six months? Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, speaking of when Adam Sandler loves to go to Hawaii with his fucking movies, it's he's always bringing his friends along, and every fucking Adam Sandler movie has some fucking friends in it. Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's okay. um, surprisingly, this film has some of his friends. I was going to say surprisingly, yeah. it only has a couple, but surprisingly, it does actually have some Adam Sandler friends. because It does. Uh, but it only has two. Uh, one is Robert Smigel, who plays... The dentist, Barry's yeah. brother-in-law, Walter the dentist, that mm. uh, screws him over and tells his fucking sister. And then his yeah, sister he did a bunch. Out and, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, he's in a lot of the, like he used to write for SNL and Conan and yeah, and a lot of those early Adam Sandler films always like bit parts. And then the other person is Jonathan Loren, who usually plays I'm Lauren. I'm sorry if I'm saying that name wrong, but he's usually the guy who plays the cross-eyed guy in all of Adam Sandler's movies. Who like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the guy from uh, even in Death Proof and stuff. Yeah. And he's, uh, great. he's the guy who is on the phone that when Barry like uh, who tells Barry that he dialed the wrong number when Barry first arrives in Hawaii. Oh really? Yeah. So it's it just him on the voice. phone. Oh, yeah. Man. He's like, oh, you need someone for that voice role? <laughs> I got the perfect guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, this is the wrong number. You got the wrong number. Can you tell him my eyes are crossed uh, just by listening to my voice? <laughs> <laughs> I, he got to know. He got to know. <laughs> I wanted to say, um, but I'm looking at him thing. Yeah, oh, no, I'm right. Louis Guzman. Yeah. It's also an Adam Sandler. But yeah. I, think, I think only after that movie. Yeah, more, to, more so later. He's, he's still technically he's yeah. a PTA boy. He's a PTA boy. And a community boy. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Watson plays Lena Leonard. Uh, PTA also wanted to write a film for her. He had seen her in 1999's Cradle Rock, and he approached her stating that, yeah, I want to do a part for you. He asked her what she wanted to do next, and she said she just wasn't interested in weeping and wailing and crying and dying. <laughs> I think kind of like I got the thing for like, you. This is the kind of shit you did in Magnolia. I don't want to do that. And um, yeah, he was just like, "That's fine. That's I'm in the similar frame of mind. Mm. No more weepy bullshit." <laughs> like she's really good in this film, and it was hard to find she info about her. Like and. Yeah. You know, and I was trying to find more stuff. And I did find an interview she did around this time. And someone asked her, like, oh, what was it like working with PTA? Like, you know, like, and what makes him like a, an actor's director? And she was like, well, actually, at first, it was kind of hard to really, like, you know, vibe with him. Because he's sort of one of those guys that just kind of lets people, like, you know, go. And then he'll, yeah. just, Didn't work and he'll just be like, I don't think this is the, like, the emotion you're you're wanting for this scene like as if he kind of knows that it's not right but he won't tell him he won't tell you what it is you gotta find it i know yeah. i know what i want but i want you to find it yeah and yeah she and then she was just like also like the character of lena is kind of like uh it's it's a very like almost hollow character where there's not there's like you know there's not much there yeah it's like she doesn't question a lot of the things that a normal person would. Yeah. And it's like, she's just going along with it. And I know it's a lot of that. It's like being blinded by love, I guess a little bit is kind of mm. the vibe of it. Cause you know, when you're, when you're like in love, like sometimes you don't see like the glaring, like, uh, you know, flashing the red flag. Signals, yeah. Yeah. Like the red flag, like flag, you know, and it's early days for them and stuff. And, but you know, it's, it seems like she's the only one that can make him happy. Like, mm. but it's also like, does she know what she's into yet? 
No, yeah. <laughs> and the movie gets away with it, like, because it exists in this weird, heightened reality. You know, yeah. like, the colors are yeah. really vibrant and it's got this whimsical mm. tone. It plays more like a screwball comedy, like, golden age musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without being that, which is kind of what, you know, it, it does that thing where it treats these very, like, mundane. Uh, what would be boring to anyone else moment, but makes them very large and grand and treats them yeah. as big as like a big musical number. And because of that, it it gets away with like lapses in rationale and logic. Yeah. Um, yeah and absolutely. she, and she, she's right. You know, that um, she, you know, Emily, the, like the lovely character, but she, she dared to move Barry character forward, but she's yeah, so good yeah. in it, and she every time she's on screen, you can't take your eyes sort of off her because she just she she has that effect that she had on Barry, she had on the audience. It's just yeah, yeah, she's very it. believable, and she's exactly the character you want to be on screen because everybody yeah. else is so horrible all the time to Barry, and she's the only one that comes in and makes it easy for him. She, she does in, have a calming presence. Yeah, her. she yeah. comes in and she's like, "Do you want to have dinner?" Here's my look, here's my card, you know, pick, yeah, pick me up at this like, time. Yeah, she's Easy. the one who's telling him what he needs to know and making things simple instead of what nagging him the entire time. Like, yeah, like, what's wrong with yeah. you? Remember when we used to call you yeah. gay boy? <laughs> <laughs> gay boy. <laughs> that scene, that so scene is so horrible. He's like, no, I don't. I don't remember. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no wonder he doesn't want to go over there. I love I that. Just never. like he keeps telling him different things. He's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Yeah, gotta go renew my gym membership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very excuse. Patrick Bateman. Very, yeah. uh, I have to return some videotape. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, is he a serial killer? I wouldn't be surprised. He's got some bodies under yeah, that floor. <laughs> I mean, he, I'm gonna say no, but he could be. <laughs> Dude, we don't know no, what happened. You got to those the women, now. you know, that presence, you know, calling him gay boy the whole time. He might have been like a better. Definitely. He, now he, he did say he wanted punches. to smash her face in. <laughs> He's a goddamn serial killer. <laughs> God. I like what you said, though, like, because uh, uh, about all the colors and stuff in this film, they were using a special, like, film stock and stuff to get that sort of, uh, like, magentas and, like, the, there's a lot of pinks and stuff. And, and then obviously and that pink, mirrors yeah. with the blues, of, especially of his suits and the lightings they use later and stuff like that end scene when they're like hugging each other and just like, oh, and the flash like, come, yeah, yeah. it's really cool. Um, it's very dreamy, the whole thing. And it's very, yeah, know, that kind of, that yeah, plays into your point with like, how much of this is real? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Which is fine. And I don't even mean that in a way of like, I don't be, like if this, this could be real and it's fine. And I'm, I accept that, but I can also accept that it's like, it's very dreamlike. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the music makes it really dreamlike. And I'll get to that. Cause God damn boy, boy, uh, he figured it out. I want to harp on my stepbrothers again, but <laughs> my boy, my boy, my boy, uh, one of my favorite film composers did this, this score. And we've talked about him the last couple of weeks, but it mm. didn't really seem to matter because he hadn't had a chance to shine until yeah. this film. And here we go. Um, 
we'll get to them in a minute. But also there was other little things that were kind of interesting. Like I read that there was like, uh, you know, cause he's using a steady cam a lot and he like, mm. <laughs> at one point they bounced, they like knocked into it by accident. Yeah. And, and that like, shot of buried room when it yeah, just keep going around and, it, and around and they kept it. Yeah. Right? And they kept it in and it just yeah. like, cause it just like went into it. It showed another part of the set that was out of focus and stuff. And they just kept it. But the, not only did they keep it in, but they tried, they kept trying to recreate it. Cause they were like, that's really cool. I, nerds, like, oh, it's, yeah. it's stuff like that. That I that makes me love this movie, like pudding, yeah. pudding, the pudding, the pudding. It's the only real plot point in this movie. Absolutely, yeah. And it doesn't pay off. Not at all. He, he didn't even have anywhere ticket. he wanted to go. Yeah, but and he, he had to pay for it. Could it take a few months? He's like, just give me those weeks. <laughs> just give me those weeks to clear, and we can go yeah. anywhere. I can go with you. But I love that. I I just love that. It's just so like anti everything you watch, where you know yeah. exactly like any other Adam Sandler movie, where you could write down what happened. Yeah. But this one is like okay, so he's doing this. Oh, he'll use the miles to fly to wherever she is, <laughs> and they'll fall in love. Yeah. And that's kind of what happens. Yeah. <laughs> but he goes over there to like, yeah, like hook up with her, and then goes to fucking thing with the phone to wherever the mattress man is, and just yeah. fucking beat the shit out of him. Like if if we were making this movie today, it'd be like you know Adam Sandler is a overworked dad who's just really pissed off. And like, <laughs> he's just so upset, and he like sees the scheme, and he's just like buys all this pudding and stuff, and then six, he's just like he plans it, and then you get a flash on the screen like six weeks later, and then he's in Hawaii, and then it's like him, Luis Guzman, and Chris I Rock, mean, David yeah, Spade. maybe maybe <laughs> Luis Guzman, maybe yeah. Rob Schneider. For and sure. Chris Rock, and they're all in like water slides. Yeah. And they're just eating a bunch of pudding. Kevin uh, James with them. Kevin James. Yeah. He like wormed his way yeah. into that group. <laughs> <laughs> they're the cameo from yeah. like Quentin Tarantino. For He's like, <laughs> hey, Adam, did you know I used to go to high school with Mick Foley? He's like, what? No way. Did you? I didn't. Like, I, I was in uh, King of Queens. Was that the show? What? Uh. uh I like Paul. I like being. A, I could be a mall cop. I could be a mall cop. You yeah, can make those, a movie with me as a mall cop. Yeah, those like, movies right, are cool. big. They're big. They're oh, not God, good, damn. but people love them. I'm going to steal this in, idea from Seth Rogen. This, <laughs> let him in this movie. He really, look, he like <laughs> dropped a bunch of weight for that UFD movie <laughs> and then shaved his head. All right. He How is won. he getting movies? <laughs> <laughs> I He's so know. bad in everything. Yeah. Like his, like to me, the only thing I think is kind of cool is that he went to school with Mick Foley. Yeah, I know. You know what? Fuck it. I'll give him King of Queens and all right, but he is like an awful person on that show. Yeah, well, like it's an just, actual piece of shit. It's another one of those shows. Fat guy, just, hot wife. It's basically like <laughs> The Simpsons in real life, Family Family Guy in real life, and it's just like there's like ten, 10 million of, of those shows. Yeah, I mean, even like Married with Children. Uh, no pig. <laughs> <laughs> Toilet flushes. All right, Philip Seymour Hoffman as Dean Trumbull, the mattress man, the master. As I as I said like earlier, originally it was meant to be Sean Penn in this role, but for some reason it didn't work out. So PTA went to his old reliable Philip Seymour Hoffman, way better. Who in a very short amount of time on screen just really puts in a killer performance, steals like, the show. So good. One, <laughs> on the phone, what's he yelling on the that phone? One argument. Did he just shut up? Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! No! 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 I love Philip like, Hoffman. Get the fuck question. out of here, you pervert! He's like, what did I what? say? Hey. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> dude. Have you seen the mattress man commercial? 
Yes, that's my uh, next point. One of so, the funniest bits. It's not in the movie, but is it, it's, is on it on the, the Criterion. It's on the Criterion. Cool. So, so ladies and gentlemen. So fun. Worth, honestly, it's worth it. Like I said, that. there is a competition at the beginning of the episode. You would have heard it as you press play because that's what we're doing now. This is the only, the only PTA Criterion film. It's the only one that will be given away during this yeah. Criterion competition that we're doing throughout the Criterion this after, you know, just fix that, please. Yeah. But yeah, moving on. But there <laughs> is a fake commercial that was made for the film that it's exist on the extras of Dean Trumbull's mattress store. Uh, it was shot I can't for the it. film cut from the film, but the scene is a remake of a real circulated video known as the mattress man. So as we've yeah. been kind of going on, you can see like each week PTA is always doing something weird where he's like laughing about some shit. Like we were talking about with cops Colin and stuff from and Mag- Magnolia yeah. and all that sort of stuff. What you going to uh, do? So yeah, cops three weeks in a row, and I didn't even write that as a note. So I did three that. weeks. It's just plaguing my mind now. So yeah, basically what happens in this little scene is like it's a there's a fake asphalt asphalt floor that was made, and oh. there's cushions on top of a van, and <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman as Dean Trumbull, the mattress man, is on top of a building playing a guitar. Does a quick little rundown about like, oh, come to a store. And then he jumps off the building, lands on the matches, <laughs> bounces off Bounced the matches onto the ground, breaks his guitar. And it just looks like it's such a horrible tumble. But it, yeah, I think they did have this like cushion down there. Basically, it looks like concrete. Like a padded floor. I was going to yeah. ask because I was like, I watched that clip and it I'm like, horrible. it's real. It is yeah. real. That is Philip Seymour Hoffman taking that bump. Yeah. And I'm like, unless it's like a hidden cut with like a the stuntman. But like, it's fucking real. And that's a harsh yeah. Really yeah. harsh, real awkward fall he takes. And I always <laughs> wondered how they did it. Could he use the car to break its fall? Yeah. But I guess, yeah, if there's like a fake floor, that would help. But no, that's funny. It's one of yeah. the funniest things about Punch Drunk Love, and it's not in the movie. <laughs> but it's kind of funny, though, because coincidentally, they do have a shot of Barry jumping off of the balcony when he's getting chased. Oh, yeah. And onto the street. They might have used the same mattress. I don't know. But. He, they didn't really show him land and Barry's not hurt by the fall. So it's like, it's kind of funny. They they have this mattress thing that they cut out. And that would have been like, a nice yeah, yeah. pair. The four blonde brothers that are sent to harass Barry were actually real brothers. They were in real life. You can see in the credits, all their names are exactly the same. And they, uh, they were they actually look- all played by Army Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, John C. Riley was originally supposed to play one of the men um, <laughs> from Utah, nice. but he was really com- like you know he thought it was a strange role for him, considering how people would recognize him from like you know it, it would take PTA you out stuff. of the movie. Yeah, yeah and he, like, he was just like, yeah, why isn't he doing more? Mm-hmm. So he dropped out. Uh, Luis Guzman is Lance. I mean, we haven't talked Perfect. much about Luis Guzman in the last few weeks of PTA films, but he's been in all of them. He's great. I need to highlight in all of them, especially Boogie Nights. <laughs> he's so uh, funny in Boogie yeah. Nights. Just he's he just wants- trying to get into the movie yeah. and he finally does. And he gets like one line yeah. with the bartender. This is an easier film to talk about because there's so few characters. It makes it easier to actually give shine on these people. So I feel yeah. bad, but like Luis Guzman's kind of always like a side character in all the films. And it's like, there's so many fucking people to talk about. Yeah. But he's like acting. last week's episode and actually the future of all Wes Anderson films are going to be fucking hard. to hey, work The shift. On. There's the too shift. many fucking people. PTA movies. They're going to be like two, three characters max yeah. that we need to talk about. I don't care. I, I, I don't know. An ensemble film is fun sometimes. And 
the, the, these guys have done good ones and it's fine and that's yeah. cool but i do appreciate for the work i have to do for it to be very chill Let's Luis Guzman's great in this. I mean, he's pulling the same sort of character, but I love how supportive he is. <laughs> but he's so deadpan yeah. in this one. Yeah. He's, he's just, just like, like, why, Barry? <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to go to Hawaii. And he's yeah. just like, you're going to Hawaii? That's great, That's great. Barry. Yeah. <laughs> he's What's so with the sweet. Suit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, did you notice he's wearing the suit the next yeah, day? And I then he's that. not the day after. <laughs> I love Probably that. because they were like, why are you wearing this fucking suit? <laughs> he's like, fuck, fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Again, a, a, like a great presence to yeah. have. Just, like, so funny. Yeah. Uh, Barry's seven sisters are all played by just like, well, six of his seven sisters are all played by just random women yeah. who are not actresses, I don't think. They might be related because they all do kind of look alike. They do. But um, one of them. But one of them is Mary Lynn uh, Rob Scoob. I'm sorry. I don't know how to say her name. AKA Gail the Snail. Gail the Snail. You're just has, mashing it. You're just mashing <laughs> Elizabeth Egan. God damn, Barry's horrible sisters. Uh, just salt the, the snail, Phil. No one likes to salt the snail, but you yeah. have to because she's the worst. <laughs> I love. She's so good. Okay, that, that's a bit as well where he like he really freaks out on her yeah. at the end. And it's like you should just give me, be good to me, give me the fucking number. So I'll fucking kill I'll fucking you. Kill you. <laughs> That's a really weird. That's like yeah. a bit where I'm like, wow, they really pushed it, and it's funny and it's tense. Yeah, but like that in point, a crowd you're like, yeah. people, you're like, yeah, yeah fuck yeah, you, sister. But it should have been tempered a bit. We like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for cursing. Fuck your sister. That was last week. That was last oh, sorry. Week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's your sister, <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, the sisters are horrible. But she, yeah, I, I'm always struggle with her last name, uh, Razgub. Raj Scoob. Yeah, I mean, I I'm know, sorry, I don't. I don't know, but she's great. I've all, I like her in everything she's in, and I absolutely love her as Gil yeah. She's she didn't great. do it with my car. Yeah, she's so good. Zoltan. Uh, Zoltan. Uh, how many people were expecting a fucking dude with my car reference? Well, didn't someone Patreon? email us about um, dude wears my car one time? So I guess someone's out there enjoying. One day. Uh, just for him. Pay, pay us. I'll talk about. Pay it. us money. Good bagel balls, patreon.com. We have no integrity. Or slash the PCC podcast. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise, I don't see where I'm going to fit it into my schedule. <laughs> now give me money. Just as the film was entering production, though, the long term relationship between one Miss Mary Lynn, I can't say her last name, Rasgoop, and, and the composer, John Bryan, came to an end, oh. which uh, meant that during the scoring, there were days where Brian was forced to watch his ex-girlfriend on screen for up to eight hours at a time. And in order to heal from this experience, John Brian urged Fiona Apple to work on some songs for a new album. Coincidentally, the resulting album was Extraordinary Machine, which is widely speculated to be about Fiona Apple's breakup from Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of John Brian, let's get into the music. Let's do it. Music, music, music. Music. All right. The score for Punch Drunk Love, it's playing right now. Melody. Oh, my God. It's so good. It was composed by John Bryan. As with Magnolia, Bryan and Paul Thomas Anderson collaborated heavily for the production of the film score. However, rather than scoring the film after rough footage had been shot, John Bryan made compositions while making the film. And during the scoring process, Brian would experiment with tones and sounds, carefully making note of what Anderson would respond to. <laughs> and Anderson himself would create the vocal tempos he would envision in the score 
and use them on set, even to the extent of aspiring the pace of Sandler's performance. It's really it's it's to cut with the music in not an annoying way. Yeah. Yeah, there's constant music. Like the first ten to twelve minutes of the film is just like there's music there, but it's not annoying and it's not because there's no lyrics and stuff and it's not fucking with like the dialogue. No, it's Um, just there to embolden sort of feelings around the the scene. Gore's good. It's so beautiful. Good. It's really beautiful. You know, if that's my thing, if you're gonna have music constantly (laughs) playing, mix it down a bit. Like the way, like it's always playing through fucking Goodfellas, but it's mixed down low enough that you can still hear the dialogue and it's not taken away from Clearly, the scenes. Yeah. Uh, or just do a beautiful score. Hire, hire John Bryan because he's fucking good. Just do the score. Most people don't do a score anymore. Yeah, dude, he, this score's top notch. One of my favorites. Um, I we did a Paul Thomas Anderson like playlist over the. That's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite. Me and Dusty listen to that for your playlist all the time. It's so good. Like and like, I always forget how good the music is from uh, from this film. And Mm. John Bryan's man, I loved his score for Step Brothers. It's stupid. I talk about it a lot, but it's really good. It's good, and it's better than it had any right to be. Yeah, absolutely. I love when stuff like that is like hiding in a movie like Step Brothers. Yeah. Uh, the film score features heavy use of the harmonium. Brian had <laughs> introduced Anderson to it on Magnolia, and Anderson knew he wanted it to feature heavily in the score. So many scenes between Adam Sandler's character and the instrument were actually inspired by Brian. And, you know, he's he's playing along to the score, so you could see all that. Like, there's that those moments where he's trying yeah. to figure it out. But then he plays like, it out of note. Yeah, he plays it out of note, and then the score's fucking with that as well. Like, it kind of, even the score plays out of note at times. Yeah, like, but that's great. It, the idea of really this cool. thing, this, like, music going on around him, this, like, the music of life that he just hadn't been able to harmonize with yet. Yeah. Which is Barry. Like, there's something really lovely about that idea, and what a wonderful way to sort of demonstrate it, him, him sort of unable to keep up with the music yet. Yeah, yeah. And that's like him being gifted this harmonium. On Exactly. The, he meets, you know, Lena. It's like his life. <laughs> I love changes. him running back to the office with the harmonium. <laughs> yeah. Like he's stolen something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she even says, like, did you, did you steal that harmonium from the street? He's like, uh, what? What? <laughs> the piano. <laughs> yeah. What's the? Oh, oh, we didn't mention it. What is? Where is the? I think half the budget is in that one scene. The fucking car crash at the beginning oh, God, of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. What is? What, is there a reason it's behind so that? It's so strange. Scene? Yeah. I for like because it doesn't oh, matter no. and nothing ever comes from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Adam Sandler Adam face. He's like, like, no, oh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> just just dipping his coffee. <laughs> I, I actually Sorry. think that's probably no no it's fine because I was thinking when I was watching I was like I feel like that's Adam Sandler in real life oh. like <laughs> just watching a car crash yeah. like oh no, no. Like, <laughs> like I think there's there's a fine line between Adam Sandler being like when he's not owned he's like very same old car crash afraid to like walk out to the street just like really mm. like oh, <laughs> and then and then there's like the tap dancing in the fucking you know supermarket. Those exactly. are that's Adam Sandler's yeah like range. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one to hit the polar opposite. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, no, that's a strange scene, and it never really like you all like because I forget about it. Like I I forgot. Like I remember there was there was something to uh like you know with like Philip Seymour Hoffman's character 
And I remember there was like him getting chased a bit. And I was just like, like when it first appears, I was like, are there drops in that thing or something? <laughs> and he just doesn't know about it. And then that's why people come after him. But then I'm yeah, like, oh no. no, it's the sex line thing. Yeah. yeah. So that drugs in the what, harmonium. <laughs> what's the point of the harmonium? And the, it's the weird crash. And why do they just put it out like right there? I love there. it. It's Absolutely so strange. love it. It's so, you know, like those weird fucking circumstances, those weird like happenstance moments yeah. in life that you put on film and you're like, that's fucking weird. Why did they do that? But shit yeah. like that happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, why yeah. am I, why is this here? You find stuff on the street and it's like, why did someone leave like a Barbie head doll's head <laughs> yeah. on top of a trash can? Yeah. Does it's it just, mean something? It's, it's just more Magnolia, like, these things happen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this cannot be one of those things. Yeah, for instance, though, with this harmonium, John Bryan actually once found a harmonium with a hole in its bellows before going on tour with Amy Mann. So to fix the problem, oh. he covered the hole with duct tape. And that oh. situation is mirrored in this film. So they just took his story and put it in the yep. movie. That's really sweet. And apart from John Bryan's incredible pieces of music throughout the film, the film features some other really cool songs. Uh, there's one major. That's the one, one big one. But I'll Which, go through a couple of them. Just, again, the balls yeah. on PTA yeah. to take a song <laughs> yes. from one of his idols. Yeah. A very iconic song, if you know it. Yeah. It's very, you know, you know exactly what it's from. And yeah. you're like, that's the song for Papa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it works so perfectly and it works so well and he recontextualizes it so well you never even think I think you know if, if anything it fits better <laughs> yeah 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 definitely. and it just it totally fucking works yeah so before, before I get to that I will just quickly shout out because there's a couple of cool other songs that are in the film this uh, Waikiki performed by Ladies K and yeah. Moana Chimes by Johnny Noble and MK Moke which are during the Hawaii scenes. And of course, of course, there is Harry Nilsson's song from Robert Altman's 1980 film, Popeye, starring Robin Williams Robin. and Shelley Duvall. Shelley Duvall, And yeah. particularly the song that Shelley Duvall, as Olive Oil, sings, He Needs Me. He Needs Me. Oh my God. And it's so fucking catchy. It gets you in your head. I was, never I've leave. been singing yeah. it for three days now. Oh, yeah, it's he needs so me. I've I been singing it for my song. cat. I need Aww. treats. I need treats. Need I need treats. <laughs> I need feed. That's like the like oh, they coming. Please feed me. Please feed me. <laughs> it's like uh, you do you watch Broadway? Have you seen Broadway? Yeah. Remember the the song Lana always done everything she does. It's like I tweet, I tweet, I, tweet, I shit, <laughs> and it's like. And I it's shit. like if you listen, if you watch one episode with that song, you do it for yeah. fucking weeks, and yeah, it yeah. does like this song. <laughs> yeah. But it tapped again; it tapped into uh, a bit of nostalgia for me because I loved Popeye. When yeah, I was Popeye. A kid. Is, that, it's that movie fucking stupid, but it's great. Like it's crazy. It only exist. growing up, only like in, <laughs> as a teenager, it's like. Yeah. That's fucking a Robert Altman movie. Are yeah, you kidding me? I've so seen weird. a Robert Altman movie and it was fucking Popeye. Yeah, that was the same thing with me when I realized that Altman did it years and years later. Yeah, but also, shout out to my man Harry Nilsson. Two weeks in a row for PTA stuff where Harry Nilsson saw yeah, And I love Harry Nilsson. He's so underrated. He's written like great songwriter. so many amazing songs. Like there are songs like every week I think that people will find and just be like, oh, this is a great song. Who wrote it? And it's Harry fucking Nilsson. 
Like he fucking <laughs> wrote like, you know, the theme song to fucking uh, Russian Doll and everybody was freaking out about that. And he's like mm. this type of guy who just doesn't get enough love. Like he's one of the best songwriters ever. Um, and this song is yeah. beautiful, man. And there's awesome reprise of the song later in the film as a digital composition by John Bryan and Jonathan Karp uh, at the end of the film. It's just called He Really Needs Me. And it just utilizes like the same sort of theme and uh, melody and stuff. And then I think they even start adding in some of the lyrics like uh, from the original version. Like, and, and it's just so nice. And it really ties that whole film together. It's like the Big Lebowski's rug. But that was the <laughs> longest I think I've ever gone on the music section. So let's wrap this shit Love up. Love it. Love uh, it. Punch Drunk Love premiered at Cannes Film Festival in May 2002, where it was nominated for the prestigious Palme d'Or and PTA won Best Director, which is pretty cool. Um, the film was then released in October 2002, grossing $17.8 million in the United States and another $6.8 million internationally for a worldwide total of just $24.6 million on a $25 million budget. So it did not really make its money back. I don't know if people like they don't really call this a bomb. It's, no, maybe they were just like it's a PTA film, so it's probably not going to bomb. It, but, yeah, they don't but, bomb, but they don't make any money. I yeah. think the beginning of that. The next one, I'm pretty sure, makes money. Yeah, because it was um, like a big boy. Yeah, the big boy. Big um, talking but point. But ev- everything after that doesn't and it's such a shame not because you know he obviously can still make movies thank god for mm. you know companies like annapurna that would just will fund whatever pta does no matter what <laughs> but it's just a shame the idea that not many people went to see the master or inherent vice or phantom thread and those are all like really great movies mm. but i did punch punch on can found it i think audience i think yeah it's a really weird one because critically people. it was well received it was met with yeah. mostly praise people loved adam sandler's performance roger Ebert yeah. made the film three and three and a half stars out of four he praised sandler's performance in his review for the chicago sun times saying sandler liberated it from the constraints of formula reveals unexpected depths as an actor watching this film you can imagine him in dennis hopper roles he has darkness Ooh. obsession and power he can't go on making those moronic comedies forever, can he? Yes, he can. Yep. Yes, he can. He's still <laughs> doing it. You know what? He can do both. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I like I said earlier, it's a, it's a tell of two audiences. I think um, some audiences mm-hmm. absolutely hated this movie. Fans of Adam Sandler wanted to see the Sandman fart around for a couple hours, and they were met with Paul Thomas Anderson's Art House movie. What? I have to think. Lots of people <laughs> called it one of the worst films they had ever seen. They called it boring and shallow. Apparently, lots of walkouts. But then there's other people who fucking loved it. So it's love, a really love, weird one. Like I love this movie, yeah. And I also was trying to find, like, I feel like history's been rewritten on this one. Mm-hmm. Like, to a point where it's hard to find info about people not liking it. But I do remember when it came out that it was very controversial. Not surprising. Yeah. Now people like to look back and think, oh, what a genius. Yeah. <laughs> oh, should have known. Should have known. known. I don't know. Maybe that would have to do with a little bit of like how people see Adam Sandler today when he's like done things like uncut gems and all that. Yeah. Um, But I mean, Adam Sandler would go on to be nominated for his first and only Golden Globe for Best Actor. 
Yeah, I mean, he won the Indie Spirit Award. Yeah, Fun film and yeah, film Independent and Spirit Awards. That was yeah. and that was really nice to finally been, have him. Yeah, I mean, he should have been nominated for an Oscar for Uncut Gems. For sure, crazy. For crazy. sure, but you're not you're not nominating the role, right? You're nominating the person, and they don't yeah. want to fucking nominate Adam Sandler for an Oscar. But yeah. why not? He's amazing. Yeah, He's, it's worth it. Have you seen? Sorry, before I forget, have you seen that a at the press conference for this movie, I think it's at Cannes, and it's PTA, Emily Watson, Sandler, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. And you can watch the whole thing on YouTube, but there's clips of it. But it's like an hour long, and fucking hell, and PTA just off his head on coke. <laughs> He's like, and it's like really bad. It's like him, like doing this, like, you know, leaning back and forth, itching, like, like, do, yeah. like tapping the table, can't really give a straight answer. And then the one, then the journalist who asked him, uh, you know, this movie is about love and sex and stuff. What do you think is, uh, the most the sexiest film ever made. And PTA's like, oh, like a little fucking kid, like can barely contain an answer. And he's like, E.T. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's like, what the fuck? And like Emily Watson's looking at him like, oh God, I made a movie with this guy. And he's like, I don't know, man. Just E.T. just really gets me going. It's like that. And everybody's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. And I think Philip Seymour Hoffman said, Mulholland Drive. And PTA's like, yeah, you'd like that film, don't you? You like that movie? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, but it's so weird. It's so like PTA at that time. Yeah. Um, but watch it if you have any interest. Yeah, I need, like I, I do need to check that out. Like I, I did insane. read something about like them doing a, a press conference. It sounded interesting, but I didn't know that's what happened. But <laughs> it's just a fucking yeah. nightmare to watch. I, I struggle because I know I think this is there. I think this like, is the that. PTA like I've met him before and he was really nice like but PTA today and it's like yeah, when yeah, you, I, we're going yeah. back and we're seeing his earlier films and I know like a lot of directors write from what they know and it's like experiences and your yourselves you know you, you yourself ble- like can like blur through your film and like you know you can, your experiences and everything make your movies and mm. like and then you also know about his past his relationship with Fiona Apple and it's hard to like kind of like young PTA, so I'm like glad to be kind of moving away from. We're that. moving on, and and they, yeah. they get better. Yeah. So it's not even like you don't even have to be in a position where you're like, I miss young PTA. Yeah. <laughs> you can. Um, I miss young West. Yeah, throwing it out there. Yeah. You just you need to give the next like the next. I'm film, going to just give it a chance because it's it's a good boy. I'm going to because um, the one after that. It's my favorite, yeah, so like I it, can't. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not writing off this period at all. Yeah, I want to like it. Yeah, watch it in the morning or something. Your head's nice and straight. I nice love watching clear. movies in the morning now. That's my new favorite thing, and I'm gonna start <laughs> yeah. trying to do that every time now. That's nice. Um. All right, Phil. Before, because we were talking about, let's rank these Adam Sandler. Let's do it. Uh, before let's I get it. into something little special, I've got here to end. The oh episode. yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's rank them. All right. So we got. We've dramatic movie, dramatic or just movies, any movie. Dramatic just movies. To, so he, he's got what, like four? That's a few. Or but five. Really good one. Five. Yeah. There's, Should right, we go so back and forth? We've got we've got uh this film, which is his first one, so Punch Drunk Love. We've got Rain Over Me. Rain Over Me, yeah, which we mentioned the yeah. other week, which is Tech, also like people say Spanglish, so that's like where I kind of have that. Extra I don't like Spanglish. One, yeah. I don't like Spanglish, but we'll put it in there to be on the bottom. And sure. then we've got, uh, and then we got the mayor's stories, yeah. And then we've got 
Uncut Gems. There's five. One more. What's your? And you can knock. You can knock Spanglish out for this. Funny people. Oh yeah, funny people. Technically, yeah. I'll give That's it dramatic to you. though. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Fuck Spanglish. Yeah, funny people. Yeah, yeah. it's a little and bit more dramatic. F- yeah, and it's one of my favorite. Band I need to rewatch the, it, but I did love it. I loved him I love taking the, fun of himself throughout the film as well. I just adore that movie. I, I, it's not a, like a perfect movie by any means, but yeah. it's my favorite Judd Apatow movie. It's one of those movies that like it falls apart halfway through, but I love watching it. Like, and I, yeah, I just love Adam Sandler playing himself, making fun of himself, and yet continuing. Like after that movie, to continue to be that guy, yeah, really, I just love the dynamic of that. And that movie is one of the best, like in-depth sort of breakdown of comedy joke writing, like mm-hmm. making those movies and living that life. And yeah, it's great. It, that's up there for me with Uncut and Punch Drunk. I'll go number one, Uncut Gems. I think it's one of the best roles he's ever put in, and probably will be the best he's ever done. <sighs> I just can't get over. I still can't get over Uncut Gems, man. It's like two years later, yeah. And it's it's, it's amazing. It's I, I think about it a lot. <laughs> yeah. I talk about it a lot. Yeah. It's just so amazing. Um, I put, put. I would. I would put second. that. I would put. I'll, I'll just to be different and just could one hit the other. I'd put Punch Drunk first and then Uncut. Yeah. Not commenting on the quality of each movie because they're both great and different thing. And Uncut then I'd Gems put, is way better. Yeah, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I'd put funny people, Myrit. Yeah, and then and then I get rain over me, rain over me. I don't remember the you film being I'll, great, but he's good in it. I'll put I'll put rain over me third, dude. To be honest, I yeah. think it's underrated as a movie altogether. Don Cheadle. I remember really liking good in it. it. Um, I remember them sitting around playing yeah. PlayStation together. I love that. Very good film, and not enough people talk about it. I mean, it, it's because uh, we were talking about it last week a little bit of similar to Chaz's story of losing his wife in a plane accident, but like yeah, yeah. he loses his wife and his children, like two daughters, one daughter, two daughters, uh, in rain over me and then turns into Bob Dylan. It's like, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. He looks like Bob Dylan. Um, yeah. but then, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. I've gotten more into like, uh, thanks. Shout out Paul more into, <laughs> uh, uh, the boss from working at the Prince Charles cinema. I never used to really care that much, but, um, yeah, the rain over me, the, like you know, they're fucking playing the river all the way through. Um, yeah, or oh, rain over me at the who? No, but there's that. Uh, the they're playing the river like the. They do. They like, do. Yeah, that film. That's the whole. The whole like. Uh, the whole vibe. The yeah, it's like Thunder Road. Yeah. They sort of used that the thing. Yeah, so they play that album because they used to play it when they were in college, and then they just like. Yeah, yeah. it's like they use that as a tool to get him out of his depression. Yeah, it's very but good, man. A, I think it's underrated. So I'll put it's that. It's a good hard. one. I'd throw. I'd then throw, funny people. Then mayor words. Yeah, I mean, and another good one that like click is not a dramatic movie, but it's a then good dramatic moment in it. There's um, I I oh, still call that, that like I think he has those dramatic moments where he's just trying to pull out a heartstring at someone, and it's kind of bullshit. And I I'm calling it out. Work for me. Work for <laughs> me, bro. It My totally dad said that me. to me. Big as Daddy well makes me film. cry. I uh yeah big daddy was the first i think the big daddy thing is like it's almost uh that was his first time doing it and i 
don't I think that was a little bit more genuine because he didn't realize that he could get that reaction out of people yet. Like, oh shit. He's like, oh, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that bit. Yeah. I love it. Because he starts doing it and like, I mean, I love 50 first dates, but he does in 50 first dates. Yeah, and it's a bit much in yeah. 50 first dates. And date. I love Mr. Deeds, but it's like fucking stupid Mr. Deeds as well. Yeah. Yeah. Did yeah. you you said your dad called him out on it? Well, no, my dad, my dad, uh, was talking to me about click and I had just seen it and he was just like talking about how he's like really sad. And he's like, yeah, it kind of like made me tear up. And I was just like, dad, he's fucking getting you. Like it's Adam Sandler, like just putting in this bullshit in his films. And it's like, you know, every film is like chock-a-block, you know, this like bullshit. That yeah, he's like, yeah, he, he knows so. the formula. It's like fart joke, fart joke, fart joke, serious part, fart joke, fart joke. Uh, pull at your strings based off that serious part that he set up earlier, and then fart joke, fart joke, fart joke, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and yeah. and and they're in Hawaii yeah. at the end. Oh yeah, I forgot. There's always a, 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 a kick to the nuts. One character always, and, and some ed- and then always like an acoustic cover of like an eighties yeah. song. And uh, <laughs> yeah, slightly racist or oh, definitely some like, definitely racist. Woman, like you know, women issues like uh, bad towards women. Um, yeah, fucking easy to write an Adam Sandler film. But uh, I love Adam. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into film theories. Ooh. I haven't done one of these in a long time. Uh, when I was doing the research for this film, I found a very fun fan theory for this movie, and I was wondering if you've ever heard of it. Laid on me. All right, I think so. So, how about this? Paul Thomas Anderson's Punch Drunk Love is the story of Superman. I'm down. I'm down. Whatever this is. Adam Sandler would make a great Clark Kent. <laughs> Not a Superman, but a great Clark Kent. Yeah. So this is that, like, Lena Leonard is actually an alien who came to Earth to find Barry Egan. So to bring him back to their home planet, Barry Egan is a complicated man. He's someone who doesn't quite fit in with the fellow humans. He's socially inept, struggles with anxiety, and is prone to sudden burst of violent rage. On the outside, he appears weak and bumbling. But and he has super strength. <laughs> is a man who's capable of facing off against a group of hardened thugs and win. He also demonstrates the power to break an unbreakable plunger, <laughs> smash a concrete That's funny. wall, it's a prototype. and tear up a bathroom as if it was made of paper without as much of a mark on him. Also, Barry constantly wears blue. Like fucking Blue Tom Welling in Smallville. Now, who else disguises his superhuman abilities within the persona of a man who doesn't quite fit whilst wearing the colors blue and red? Superman, of course. An alien course. from a distant planet who looks human but can never be. Whilst Barry may not be necessarily Kryptonian, he does share the same story as Superman. He's a man who isn't like us but wants to be and disguises his superhuman strength behind the front of someone struggling with anxiety. This is where Lena Leonard comes into play. In this story of Superman, it's Lois Lane who makes Superman feel human. And some variations of that theory suggest that Lena Leonard is supposed to be to represent Lois Lane. Notice how they both share the same initials. This dude went really in depth. <laughs> wow, he went hard. However, the final scene in the film in which Lena puts her arm around Barry and says, oh, I here we go, movie. before a beam of light absorbs Up, up them, in the sky. <laughs> absorbs the two of them, has some fans suspecting that she is an alien herself, taking Barry back to the home planet. Also, first inspection of the theory may seem odd, 
it does make you consider the roles of these characters within the story. Whilst they may not actually be aliens, Lena feels like one to bury. She isn't like the rest of us. She understands him. Almost as if she's of his species. While watching <laughs> the film with this theory in mind adds something charming, bizarre, uh, charmingly bizarre to an already bizarrely charming film. And thinking of Barry as Clark Kent helps us understand him as a person just a tad better. Whilst thinking of Lena as an alien makes us consider what her role is in Barry's life. So maybe it's not to take him to another planet, but she does take him to a sort of world he's unfamiliar with. It's too long. (laughs) It's long. Also, if these uncanny similarities to Superman were intended, then this theory is further proof of Paul Thomas Anderson's ability to masterfully interweave Easter eggs into his film. Additional proof for this theory includes the film's otherworldly soundtrack and images of space which are hidden within the dreamy array of colors which transition many of the film scenes. Also, like, when she does put her arm around him, it's like, she's wearing red and it, like, looks like a cape. The, the like, cape. Cap, cap and if There's that's, also that bit where Barry flies up and he spins around the world and he goes back in time. Yeah, dude. It's really crazy. <laughs> it's right there. Yeah. Uh, and if it's not enough as evidence for you, chapter 12 on the DVD is called Alien Abduction. I mean, I, I love that theory. I do I do really like that theory. It's not true. It's not true at all. This guy <laughs> it, fucking, not, he's on the spectrum. It's already he's got anxiety metaphor. issues. He if needs to speak to a doctor. Doctor. He needs medication. This is the Kanye West thing. He's bipolar. That doesn't make him a superhero. (laughs) That means he needs medication. He's got a disorder that no one's fucking helping him with. He needs help. This man needs help. I mean, obviously, I'm like, I love Superman. I love that theory. That's a great idea. And that makes me want PTA to make this version of a Superman movie. But But he's already done it. I. He's done it. He's done it. <laughs> but yeah, this idea that like you're missing the point and come you've come back around to the first bit again. Like yeah. that's the whole the whole point of Superman is to use his alien uh, background as a metaphor for immigration, anxiety, you know, feelings of isolation, all these things. Like so for you to be like, oh, all his feelings of isolation and anxiety because he's an alien. <laughs> just, like you're just going in a fucking loop, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, so but interesting theory. Yeah, fun Very theories. Cool. I, I'm happy to read out dumb theories. It makes me want to watch the movie it's, again. It's pretty funny. Tall, um, but here totally we go. stupid. Tall theory. Tall theories. That's, that's the segment. <laughs> tall theories. Yeah, tall, tall tales, tales, but tall yeah. theories. Yeah. They're very tall. <laughs> <laughs> and long. Very long, very tall. Uh, give me anxiety because I have to read them out and I'm just like, I can't read. I can't read. I don't know how to read. <laughs> I can't read. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Paul we Thomas Anderson's Punch Drunk Love. We'll next join Paul Thomas Anderson, who is going to be a little older by five years in making one of his greatest films he'll ever make in a couple of oh weeks. Oh, my God. With 2007, oh, favorite year in film. And this is one go. of the reasons why. Yeah. There the biggie. will the be blood. There will be blood. 
There will be blood. I did it for you, Phil. Thank you. But I'll forget next first, week. First, we dive under the sea. And actually, because you're definitely going to forget because it's going to be a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. We're on holiday. But first, we dive deep under the sea with the under king the of tree and the Zisu Society in search of the elusive jaguar shark. Everyone's going to think I'm on coke today, but I'm not. In Wes Anderson's fourth feature, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, one of my favorite films. So, cool. I'm excited. Let's do it. Round of applause. Energy was and look, up on this episode. I was editing the Royal Tenenbaums episode yesterday, and I was like, my energy's so low on that, and I think it's because of that film. And this one, <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm just, I feel like I'm just embodying, uh, you know, the cocaine head rush that ETA's got, or, or maybe and it was we, just the pudding. <laughs> yeah, and dude, we did it. Yeah. 90 minutes. And yeah, we did. And also, I want to say this before we close up, because we were talking about a film about pudding. Now, the pudding, you UK people, is what was in the film. The pudding is kryptonite. The, the, the pudding <laughs> isn't, the pudding, the jello pudding, isn't, um, it's not a catch-all term for fucking, you know, desserts. You can't do that. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. I don't get it. It's like, you can't call like all sodas cokes because like there's yeah or like dinner all, tea you can't do that yeah like i don't get it so Fucking i'm sorry British people God, um, if you want to come at me <laughs> come at me it's fine someone came at me uh claire came at me for uh really for how i pronounce uh fredo i must have called her fredo i don't give a shit because america won a war so that i don't have to pronounce <laughs> things the way the british people pronounce things yeah so, there have you ever heard of you know Declaration of Independence. Have <laughs> 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 you ever seen National Treasure? Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's why the Queen of England can't go marching into my house whenever the <laughs> fuck she wants. <laughs> Back off. <laughs> <laughs> Back off, Queenie. My freedoms. No, but this I. This is my country, and we're not going to spell color with a U. I. I. Goddamn, I already do, though. I have to do it for the emails. So I've been ruined. But I can yeah. still speak. That's the last, my last thing that I'm holding on to. Um, Did you say Fredo? Fredo, Fredo, Fredo. What, what Fredo. is his name? Fredo. Fredo. Like Fredo? Godfather, Fredo. Like I, I know it was you, Fredo. Who gives a shit? You broke my it's heart. It's a fucking I give a shitty shit. frog. <laughs> it's just another fucking excuse to melt some chocolate into a shape and call it something else when it's just goddamn Cadbury's. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm one in defensive about the frog I'm just trying to make this episode a lot more longer so I can get more angry when I have to edit it later let's hit 97 alright ladies and gentlemen let's just wait let's just do wait let's just wait to wait like a minute and a half just so we meet the exact length of this film yeah but don't talk we'll just wait well I have to do my wrap up and that's gonna take alright we'll do it and then we'll wait alright yeah ladies and gentlemen uh, (laughs) you can find us at the PCC podcast on Twitter and Instagram as always hit us up at podcastofprincetalcinema.com if you want to email us Um, you can find me at tallforall T-A-L-L the number 4 A-L-L on Twitter and Instagram and you can find Phil at far away sad on Twitter come on man Um, and you can find him in real life because he's far away sad in real life too and he's always at the cinema he says it every week I'm I'm trying Phil I'm trying Um, trying. come on man (laughs) oh god Phil (laughs) I can't believe we're not going to get to do coke anymore yeah I can't believe he got help 
We did it. <laughs> this podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.